That song there that they just played is my new favorite song. I heard that just recently and just the words of it, talking about reawakening and revival and what God wants to do in His church, and I just love it. I love the idea of what God wants to do um, through us, that we would allow that fire to burn in us again. So, But I, I want to start this morning. Um, I don't know how good you are with your imagination, but I'm going to encourage you to use it this morning a little bit. Um, so I want you to imagine for a moment, if you will, you own a home that you have spent many years living in by yourself, and you've been filling it with the things that you love, and you've designed this home to meet your needs, to meet your preferences. You've got it pretty much how you want it. If, if any of you own a home, you're, you, you know you're never actually happy completely with your home. There's always something you want to change, but you've got it pretty much where you want it. Then you meet someone who has something for sale, something they're offering that is far beyond the value of your home. You know this, you, you know, you've always wanted this thing and you desperately want to purchase this thing, but you know you can't afford it. You know this thing is so far outside of, of your budget that there's no way if you sold everything you had, you knew you couldn't afford it. But in conversation with this person, they decide that they will trade you this item of immeasurable value for your home and everything in it. And immediately you recognize this is an amazing deal because my home is really not worth, it's nice, but it's not worth that much. Uh, And so you're totally willing to do this. And this person even gives you an added bonus to this. You get to still live in the house. You don't even have to move out. You can stay in the house. But they're still going to require that you trade them, sell them everything for this. This individual is going to move in, and the home will be theirs. They've purchased it, but you can still live there. That sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Now imagine after this person moves into the home that they now own because you traded it to them. You tell them that they have to stay in the spare bedroom. You tell them where they can go and what they're allowed access to. Now remember, this is their home. And as they begin to make changes to the home they now own, you fight them on pretty much every change. You ask questions, you, you kind of hem and haul about every little change they want to make. And as, and as they try to throw stuff away and get rid of things in the home that they don't like, you complain and you argue about every one of those, and you complain and you hem and haul about that. And you even go and you pull some of the things out of the garbage that they've thrown away and you bring it back into the house and you put it in a different room that you tell this person they don't have access to. They're not allowed in that part of the house. And so you kind of hide these things there. Now remember, you willingly traded this home and everything in it to this individual. The home and everything in it is theirs. What right do you have at that point to dictate where they can go in the home they own and what they're allowed to touch, what they're allowed access to, what they can change, what they can alter, what they can do with this home. Most of us would recognize how wrong this was. You would think, you should be tremendously blessed by this. You got the item that you wanted, you traded everything for, and this person even still lets you live there and use the home and use everything in it. And the the audacity of this person to then claim and, and dictate what this person can do and where they can go. 
but it's how many of us treat the Holy Spirit. We have given our entire life to God in salvation. We were able to see that we were sunk, that we had no hope of salvation, no hope of eternity. And yet we looked to God and He was offering this thing called salvation. We said it's worth way more than I could ever purchase. I couldn't earn this on my own. I couldn't accomplish this on my own. If I gave everything to God, it wouldn't even touch the price of this because we can't pay for salvation. And so we gave everything to Him in salvation and said it's all yours. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14 says, and now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Yet we still attempt to dictate what the Holy Spirit has access to. When the Holy Spirit tries to discard something from our life, when He wants to get rid of a sin, a behavior, a friend, a lifestyle, a pattern in our life, some of us just attempt to relocate it to an area of our life that we tell God He doesn't have access to. Well, I guess I won't sin in a way that people can find out now. I'll just, I'll just put this in the basement. I'll hide this from everybody and that'll be okay. It's not hurting anybody because we think we deserve to have parts of our life that are ours and that God isn't allowed access to. We think that we, we get to have parts of our life that God's not allowed to touch. Well, that's my job, God, and you're not allowed to touch that because you might ruin it. I might lose it if, you, uh, if I give you access to that. Well, that's, those are my kids, or that's my family. Those are my neighbors. They're going to think I'm weird if I give you access to that part of my life. We don't give the Holy Spirit complete reign of our lives. We require Him to run any changes or work that He wants to do in us. He has to run that by us for approval. We have to agree, yeah, this is something I want to do. We still try to demand that we stay in control. If we're honest, for a lot of us, that's the truth. We still try to remain in control, knowing that on the day of salvation, man, we gave everything to Him. We said we recognized, man, everything I've done has led me the exact opposite direction of heaven. But you're offering this beautiful thing, and then God offers us salvation. And almost immediately, we take the reins and go, okay, I got it now. I know I drove the, re- the, the last life you gave me into the ground, and I was going straight for hell, but I got this one. I, I put me in control. And we think we're we're good to go. Imagine in this story, if we focus or if we force the person who purchased this home and everything in it to live in seclusion in a single room. We said, okay, this is the only place you're allowed in the home, is this place. And once a week, if we can find the time, we would visit them for an hour or so. And in that hour, they would tell us the things that they wanted to change and work on in the house, and they would uh, tell us the things that, you know, they, they, that they thought should be adjusted or, or, or changed. And then we would leave and rarely, if ever, make the changes they talked about. Does that sound anything like the life of many churchgoers today? God deserves everything not just the areas of our house or our life that we're comfortable giving Him access to. 
I mean, just imagine for a moment if you actually lived in that scenario and you walked into this home that you now, you know you sold to this person. What would be the first thing you'd do? Hey, here's the master bedroom. Uh, this is where the owner of the home sleeps, so you're now the owner, so here you go. I'll go sleep in the basement. I mean, I'll go sleep somewhere else because you own this home and you have access to it. And what, what do you want in the fridge? It's all yours. Go, go ahead. Ha- have access to it. What do you, you don't want the TV there? Okay, move it because you have access. You're in control. You own this. It's all yours. Whatever you want to do. What if we had that attitude with God? What if we took that attitude with the Holy Spirit? Every morning, every day, every time we entered our workplace, every time we we saw our neighbor, we just said, God, whatever you want to do, it's all yours. I don't care if I look weird. I I don't care anything. You've given me the one thing I've always wanted, salvation, and so now everything else is bonus. If we're able to give the Holy Spirit access to everything, there is nothing God cannot accomplish through us. Today is, we're going to discuss reawakening to the Spirit of Christ. You know, as you know, hopefully we're in our 40 days of prayer, and our theme for this year is reawakening to Christ, different aspects of who Christ is. And so today we're going to be looking at uh, just what the Holy Spirit wants to accomplish through us, through believers. The song we, we ended with there, it's all about what God wants to accomplish through believers, if we will give Him access, if we will allow that fire to burn in us. What does fire do? It consumes things. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants. He doesn't want your one hour a week. That's nothing. He bought it all. He wants every bit, every part of it. Now, you might be wondering why we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit in our series about Christ. Well, if you don't know this, they're the same person. It's a spoiler alert. I'm sorry you were going to find out when you got to heaven anyhow, but a little bit of a spoiler. They're the same person. Uh, So Jesus is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is Jesus. They're part of the same Godhead. And it's also through Jesus that we have received the Holy Spirit. Titus chapter 3 verses 4 to 6 says, but When God, our Savior, revealed His kindness and love, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Which brings us to our first work of the Holy Spirit we'll talk about today. The Holy Spirit gives us new birth and new life. And what a blessing that is. Because how many of you want to be known by the things you did before you were a Christian? No, probably not. And so God has given us this new birth, this new life. And it says here in verse 6, He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Generously poured the Spirit. How many of us live a life that is evidence, beyond a shadow of a doubt, clear as day, that we have a generous portion of the Holy Spirit? You have to ask yourself that. Next one that we're going to talk about, John chapter 14, 15 to 17. 
says, if you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. This tells us the Holy Spirit leads us, and that this is, if you're picking up on it, our theme Today, we'll be, we're going to read some scripture, and we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit does what? It does this, and this one talks about how the Holy Spirit leads us. He is to be our leader, our guide. We follow Him, not He follows us. And now you might think this is common sense, but how many times do we pray, okay, God, I'm going here, bless me. What we're really saying is, okay, I'm going, follow me, Jesus, and bless what I do. Bless, bless everything behind me. And if you can, sprinkle some in front of me, but I'm going to do this, you bless it. Instead of saying, God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to be about? I'm going to go there. I'm going to do that thing because you're already blessing it if you're a part of it. Galatians 5.25 says, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Now, this might be disappointing for some of you, but this means that it's not just about church on Sunday morning for an hour. In every part of our life, your workplace, your family, your neighbors, where you work, you play, you learn, everywhere you go, that's where God wants access to, and He wants to lead us. We must relinquish control to the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. This is one of those verses where you can deduce something by what's not said. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So if you're not a children, child of God, or if you're not led by God, you're not a child of God. He leads His children. He does that for us. It's not, well, you have to follow Him now. You know, oh no, He's a bad leader. He's the best leader. He only leads us into good things and things for success and things for His kingdom. That's where He's going to take us. And so we should follow Him in that. The Holy Spirit must be our leader. Next, John chapter 16, verses 7 and 8 says, But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, especially. I don't know if you know this, but we don't have to run around telling everybody what they're doing wrong. The church might need to hear some of that. That's not our job, is to run around and tell people how messed up they are and and how, how much they're going to hell. That's not necessarily our job. If someone asks, we should be honest. But it's not our job to run around and tell, point out sins in everybody's life and tell people uh, what they're doing wrong and how they're not living you know, up to the standard that they should be. That's the Holy Spirit's job. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've been walking with a newer Christian and been uh, in relationship with them. And man, I really want to tell them this thing that they're doing or you know, they're telling me about their, how they went out and you know, got drunk and did some stupid stuff over the weekend and things like that. And I was thinking like, man, I really want to tell this person how wrong that is. Holy Spirit, you know, I, I, can, I can tell you're, you're just, you deal with this. And in a very short period of time, they're like, man, I got to stop doing that. I just, I don't feel like that's what God wants for me. 
And now, instead of being told that's what they should do, they know it's, not, it's what I don't want to do anymore. I don't want to do this stuff because I want to draw closer to God. See, the closer we get to Jesus, the more that stuff becomes so apparent. And that's one of the marks, in my opinion, of a mature believer is if you ask a new believer, you know, one to 100, how well do you think you're doing, you know, in your relationship with Christ? They're like, 99. And someone who's been a Christian for like 50 years is like, I'm a two because I'm so messed up. I need more of Jesus every day. That, to me, that, the lower you mark yourself, it's a mark of maturity because the closer we get to Jesus, the more of us becomes visible, the more we realize how much more work we have. And so as we spend time with the Holy Spirit, He begins to convict us and He, he begins to point things out and say, hey, this needs to go. Hey, this needs to go. Hey, that needs to go. So what is the Holy Spirit trying to remove from your house right now? What does he have his hand on saying, I don't know, you think we can toss this? I don't really think you need this. Have you ever had anybody help you like declutter your home? Uh, I'm a really good person for that. If you need any help, I throw everything away. Uh, I hate junk. I hate clutter. And I am constantly looking for things that I no longer have because I gave them away or threw them out. Uh, so maybe I'm not a great person for it because I throw everything away. Uh, but Jesus, that's what Jesus, that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to declutter your life with all the junk that you accumulated in your sin. And he's trying to remove this stuff. And we should willingly, like, absolutely, Holy Spirit, take it, please. Because we can't do that work. Only he can. He is the sanctifying aspect of our life, not us. Galatians 5, 16 to 17 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. The Holy Spirit even guides our desires. And that, if you don't recognize, that's a beautiful thing. Because now we actually want to do the things of God. It doesn't become like, oh, man, I got to do God's work today, and I got to do the things the Holy Spirit wants, and I can't do what I want. If that's where you are, there's a good chance you don't actually know Jesus. Because if you do, and the Holy Spirit lives in you, He controls your desires. He leads your desires. You're still going to mess up, but you're not going to want to. You're going to want to do better. You're going to want to please Him. You're going to want to do the things the Holy Spirit says. Because like it says here in this verse, the, the flesh wants to do the exact opposite of what the Holy Spirit does. And so if you're a believer and you have a relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit is in you, you're going to want to do the things of God. Not all the time. You're still going to want to do some sinful things because you're human. That's why it says they're always at war. Those other desires will still live there, but now you also want to do the things of God, and that's a beautiful thing. John 14, 26. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. The Holy Spirit teaches us here. He, the Holy Spirit teaches us and advocates for us. Every Christian needs to have a teachable spirit. Anybody ever met somebody who wasn't teachable? You love that, don't you? Isn't that awesome? No, it's terrible. Everybody hates that. 
especially if you're like trying to train somebody to do something and they're not teachable. I've been there. That's really fun. And yet we can remain unteachable to God. We think we've got it under control. We think we're good. We think we're a 9 out of 10 on the spiritual scale. I've got this, Jesus. You just, you know, sit in the back seat. I'll, I'll take over. And we don't. We need him to teach us, to advocate for us. Advocate here, it means called to one's aid. The longer you walk with Jesus, hopefully, the more you realize just how desperately you need him to accomplish everything for you. Do we look to ourselves or do we look to the Holy Spirit when we're in need? When you're hit with a crisis, what is the first thought? Is your first thought, okay, how do I fix this? How do I deal with this? If I'm honest, that's me. I'm still there. I haven't gotten to the place where my first reaction is, okay, God, help me. I'm a pretty capable person. I'm pretty intelligent, and so I try to deal with things that way. When, I'm dealt, when I hit a crisis moment, when I hit a problem, I think, how do I work my way out of this? Instead of, all right, Holy Spirit, where are we going? What do you want to do here? What's going on? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 to 12. But it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit. For His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. We learn here the Holy Spirit reveals the mysteries of God to us. There are things about God which are hidden, which are not able to be easily discerned, and the Holy Spirit reveals these things to us, the Scripture is telling us. So, this is one one of the questions I think any Christian should be able to answer on, on the spot at any given time. What is the Holy Spirit revealing to you right now? What is God teaching you right now? Because if, there's, if you can't come up with an answer easily, then what are you doing? The Holy Spirit is constantly wanting to teach us and, and, and inform us of the things of God and teach us new things and give us deeper insight into who God is and His character and His person. We should always be in the Word of God, and we should be reading that, and that should be its own life-giving source uh, all on its own, and, and the Holy Spirit will reveal things there, but He'll reveal things even outside of that that will go along with Scripture, and many times will come from Scripture, but things in our life and our relationships and all over the place the Holy Spirit will be revealing the characteristics of God. For me, I sit on a mountain, I look out over God's creation, and the Holy Spirit teaches me things about God in that moment. I love nature, and I love that aspect of Him. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit empowers us we will be witnesses notice this part i've shared this verse many many times and i'll share it a bunch more times because i love what this says you will be my witnesses not well if you take the right courses if you're called the full-time ministry then you'll be a witness remember when i was called the full-time ministry it's called the day when i got saved And that's when you were called to full-time ministry as well. All of us were. 
We will be his witnesses. If you've got the Holy Spirit in you, it should be like a, uh, Jeremiah says, it's like a burning fire. It's, it's like shut up in my bones. I couldn't keep it in if I wanted to. And that should be our lives. When we're around people who are in desperate need of hope, who are in desperate need of freedom, that should burn inside of us. We should be thinking like, how do I, how do I convey the message to this person, God? I want to start telling them about you because I can see how much they need it. Help me with this. So my question for you on this one is, what will that look like this week? What will it look like to be His witness this week? To have His power empowering you to be His witness. Ask yourself that every morning this week when you wake up. What will it look like today to be your witness? What opportunities will you give me? And how will you empower me beyond my capability to do it? John chapter 16, verses 13 to 15. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but will tell you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever He receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said, the Spirit will tell you whatever He receives from me. The Holy Spirit tells us the things of God. You can see it right here in the Scripture. How much time do you put aside in your week to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit? See, some people would say it's, it's abnormal to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. I would say it's abnormal not to if you're a Christian, to not be able to hear the voice of God. Because very clearly, and in many places, the Holy Spirit is spoken of as a speaking role, that He will indwell us, He will tell us, He will speak to us, He will counsel us in our lives. And so my argument would be, it's more abnormal not to hear His voice. It says that as sheep, we will know His voice. We are His sheep. He is our shepherd. We should know his voice. If you've never seen one of those videos, Google or YouTube uh, for, for yourself one time, like a, someone calling sheep. And it's really cool because I could stand there and yell and yell and make noises and stuff, and the sheep don't give a rip. And then one noise out of the shepherd's mouth, and like the sheep's heads all pop up because they recognize his voice. And we should know the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives because we need it with all the voices around us in the world. We need His voice to tell us where to go, what to do, and how to get there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, 11, 7 to 11. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another and someone else. The one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. The Holy Spirit gifts us in different ways. Our next series after the 40 days of prayer, we're going to be talking a lot about stewardship and, and how to steward our, our time and our, and our talents. 
And in that, we'll talk about how everybody has a general calling. We call that the Great Commission. We all know that we're supposed to make disciples. That's our, one of our main commissions as believers. Go make disciples. But each of us has an individual calling as well. We're all gifted in specific ways. We accomplish that mission in very specific ways. For me, I preach. How many of you want to preach next Sunday? No? Okay, so you've got a different calling than me. All right? I was waiting to see if anybody did raise their hands. I'm <laughs> signing you right up. John's on, John's on next week. Uh, no, we each have individual callings, ways that we accomplish that general calling that God has given us. And it's the Holy Spirit that distributes those gifts. Don't have to raise your hands. But how many of you know exactly how the Holy Spirit has gifted you? That's part of what we're going to talk about in our next series. No, we're not going to take a spiritual gifts test because they're useless. Uh, I don't like them at all because all they tell you is what, how you're naturally gifted most of the time. Now, somebody else takes it for you that has watched you work and watched the Holy Spirit move in your life in ways that they know you're not gifted in. That is way more effective. But when you take it yourself, you generally just tend to say, this is how I'm gifted and not how the Holy Spirit supernaturally gifts me to do things. So... Uh, but we will talk about how are you gifted, because I want, the clearer you are in your identity, the clearer you will be on exactly how God has gifted you to accomplish the mission that He's given to all of us. And when we have clarity on that, man, things get really fun. But this Holy Spirit gifts us each in many different ways, and I hope you know what they are. If not, then do some research, and we'll help you figure that out especially in our next series. We'll talk a lot about it. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 to 27. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. The Holy Spirit pleads for us. I don't know about you, but there's really not, I can't think of a better intercessor than God himself, that he would plead to the Father on our behalf. I think that's a pretty powerful statement that the Holy Spirit goes for us and pleads. Now, last week we talked about Jesus, and what does Jesus also do? Jesus pleads for us. We got two parts of the Godhead pleading to God the Father on our behalf. That's a powerful thing. And, and I love this. Uh, it says, you know, even when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit will, will groan on our behalf in, in words, that, in, in uh, languages that we don't even understand. Have you ever allowed the Holy Spirit to take control in a time of prayer? What would that even look like for you? So often, we are in the driver's seat when it comes to prayer because we got things we got to co cover. We got things we have to pray for. We got people we need to pray for. But how often have we just sat in the presence of God and allowed the Holy Spirit to lead us in that time of prayer? That's a powerful thing. And I encourage you to practice that. It is not easy to do, but don't feel like you have to be in control, especially in prayer. Allow the Holy Spirit, and sometimes some of you have experienced that where you're, you're praying so earnestly and so passionately and, and you're so uh, burdened by something that you don't even know what 
how to voice these things, and then the scriptures tell us the Holy Spirit picks up on that, and he gets, and he will pray with us and through us and for us on our behalf. Galatians 5, 22 to 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So, many of you have probably heard of the fruits of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces fruit in our lives. And I always thought this was interesting because, I, I don't know, I would... I was probably like 26, so I'd been saved for a number of years at this point, and it like dawned on me, because up until then, I had been trying to be more patient, trying to be more kind, trying to be more gracious, try, you know, trying to create all these uh, fruits in my life. I, I had these fruits, just some were shriveled up and, and not very uh, potent, uh, and so I was trying to uh, develop these fruits in my life, and, and it was like a, a time with God where it was like, I, it just like kind of smacked me in the back of the head and was like, hey, don't you understand? I didn't say the fruits of Bruce. I'm not trying to improve the fruits of Bruce. I'm trying to impart to you the fruits of the Spirit. And it was like this amazing, I, I'm pretty dense sometimes, and so some of you probably picked up on this right away as soon as you became a Christian, but it took me a long time to get there. So I realized like, okay, wow, this isn't about behavioral development. That's not what Christianity is. It's Jesus coming in, taking my patience, throwing it out the window, and replacing it with the Holy Spirit's, which is way more effective than mine, because I found I'm not very patient. doesn't matter how much I work on it, I'm not very patient. But man, the Holy Spirit's patience, endless. His kindness, endless. His graciousness, endless. His goodness, endless. And so when we begin to develop the fruits of the Spirit in our life and allow Him to cultivate that in us, that changes everything. So uh, my question on this one, is the fruit of the Spirit evident in your life or have you been spending your effort improving your fruit and trying to make it look like God's? I find that to be the case in many Christians' lives is they've done everything they can and they've put tremendous effort into improving their fruit and trying to make it look like the Spirit's and saying, ah, it's pretty close. Mine looks pretty similar to the Holy Spirit's fruit. It almost looks like I am like have the patience of God when I have patience with somebody. And it's just not His. And so we have to relinquish control and admit that our selves, our fruit, is never going to pass. It's never going to be good enough. And it's not about behavior modification. It's about emptying ourselves of us and allowing the Holy Spirit to move His stuff in. Again, in that house analogy, He doesn't want to make your couch look nicer. Yours is going in the dump. And He's bringing all His own furniture in. It's all His. His stuff, He's going to replace all of that old stuff with His. And it's going to be all new, and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be better than anything we could have ever produced on our own or created or, or fixed up. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom He promised long ago. 
The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised and that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify Him. I went a little further than I was supposed to, I think. Uh, The Holy Spirit identifies us or seals us as God's chosen. That's the mark. Um, you'll hear me often say, if, if you're not experiencing this from the Holy Spirit, if, if you're not experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit, you need to ask yourself if you're a believer. Because the Holy Spirit is the seal. He's the guarantee. He is the sign that we are believers, that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And those things look like the fruit of the Spirit. Obviously, if the Spirit is indwelling you, fruit should be produced because that's what He does. And Uh, The things of God should be naturally flowing from you because God now lives in you. And if, in this analogy that we use today, if somebody walked into that house a year after the Holy Spirit moved in and everything looked the same, they wouldn't believe you that the Holy Spirit was living in your basement in the dark corner where you've secluded Him to. Because everything still looks like you. It's all still you. It's got your style. It's It's got your feel. You haven't moved anything. It's all still your stuff. And in any given time after a believer's come to know Christ, everything should start changing. It should start looking a lot less like us and a lot more like Him. It should start reflecting His character, His style preferences, His everything our life should reflect. The Alliance statement in regards to the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Anybody, anybody knows what the old one used to be when it came to the, the works of the Holy Spirit? Ask not, forbid not. That used to be the motto when it came to the works of the Holy Spirit, which was terrible. And they realized that, and they repented of that. Uh, it was a terrible statement because it's not even remotely scripturally based. Uh, the Scripture, as a matter of fact, tells us to ask for certain gifts for the building up of the church. Now they've redone that, and it's now expectation without agenda. And to me, that's amazing. I love that one. Because it says we're going to expect the Holy Spirit to show up. We're going to expect God to do incredible things, and we will not set the agenda. We won't say what he's allowed to do. We won't say, well, we're not really comfortable with that gift, so if you could just keep that one to yourself and you can work in all the other ways, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to say, Holy Spirit, you, you, you can come. Mess it all up if you want. Make us look like fools. I, we don't care what you do. Because if you are showing up in power, that's enough. And we're just going to live in an expectant way. That every day we're going to wake up and every time we gather as believers, we're going to expect your presence to do powerful things. We're going to expect you to show up and we're going to expect you to show off because we know that's who you are. You're God. And you want to draw people through your power. Don't try to confine the Holy Spirit to just one room of your house. And certainly if you've given everything to Him in salvation, most certainly do not say, Jesus, you're not allowed in that room because you might break something if you go in there. Now, my four-year-old, absolutely, don't let him in certain rooms of your house. He will break things. But the Holy Spirit, like, well, you can't have my job. 
Okay, I need to cut that off there, and I'll take care of that part. Because, I don't know, if you start to move there, I'm, I might, you know, get demoted. I might lose my job. Don't you understand, Jesus? That's a big deal. Like, we, don't, we trust Him with our eternity, but not with our jobs and with our today. To me, it just sounds kind of ludicrous. We trust you for all of eternity, but not for today. You know, these things are, I got to protect these and I got to keep these in a safe place in, a, in, a, in this room and you're not allowed there. Give them access to your whole life. The Holy Spirit wants to accomplish so much more than most of us are allowing him to right now. There are tremendous works of God, tremendous works of the Holy Spirit that he wants to accomplish. And the only thing stopping him is our lack of faith and our need for control. Our need to say, I got to be in control for this to happen. We want to set the agenda. We're his house. We're called his temple. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. He owns the whole thing and everything in it. Wherever the Holy Spirit wants to go, whatever he wants to change, let's not fight him anymore. If Jesus wants to throw that chair out, man, obviously there's something wrong with it. Let it go. Jesus wants to move a behavior, a friend, a, a relationship out of your life. Let it go. It's not worth hanging on to. If he wants to move it, there's a reason that he wants to remove it. Allow him access to everything. Give him complete control in our lives. And it's embrace this idea and trust him that he always knows best for us. Let's reawaken to what the Holy Spirit wants to do. I firmly believe beyond a shadow of a doubt we are not seeing all that God wants for us. I don't know if you think you are, but I, I feel bad if, that, if you feel like what our town looks like, what our communities look like, like that's everything God wants for us. There's so much more. And I believe reawakening to the Holy Spirit is one of the first and most important steps to it because if we can allow Him access to everything, He's going to do amazing things with it. If, if you allowed the most talented in, internal decorator into your home and gave them carte blanche on everything and said, do whatever you want, do you think it's going to look the same in a year? I know my home won't because we don't even know how to decorate, so... Uh, no, it's going to look totally different. And if we give Jesus access to it all, man, he's going to do some amazing things with that. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. What a gift you gave to this world when you began to indwell your people, when you decided that mankind would now be your temple. The reality that Holy Spirit, you now live in us. And you flow through us to the people around us. The rivers of living water flow from us to all those around us. Lord, I pray we would awaken to the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I pray we would give access to you. We would learn to hear your voice and we would follow you. We would allow you to lead us, to teach us the mysteries of God, all these amazing things that your Holy Spirit does. And this wasn't even an exhaustive list. I pray we would give you complete access. We would stop trying to hold things back, stop trying to uh, think that just because we visit you for an hour a week, like that, that's good enough. 
but we would let you do whatever you want to do. Holy Spirit, would you move in our lives like we have never seen you move before? Would we see things happen way beyond our control? Would we come to terms with the identity you have spoken over us? Would we know how you've gifted us, how you've empowered us, and the specific callings you have on our life? And we would begin to accomplish those things through your power. Thank you for all that you are doing. Lord, I pray you would bless us as we engage in your work this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a good week, and I encourage you to stop at John's table in the back and check out some of that family life stuff.